0: Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. So we're spending about three months going through the New Testament book of Colossians. Well, here's a little background. They're a young church plant. Things are going well for them. The man writing the book is Paul. He's in prison. He loves them and wants to encourage them to continue flowing in the grace of God. And he's warning them about a strong current that can come and very quickly veer them off course. Now I remember as a kid growing up in Jacksonville, Florida, going to the ocean, and we certainly wouldn't have major waves. We'd have these inflatable rafts that we could uh, play on and around, and every so often I'd look up expecting to see my family's belongings on the beach, and so I knew, okay, everything's good. Well, every now and then I would I would do that, and and I'd realize I don't see the family stuff, and I'm scanning, I'm scanning down the beach, and oh gosh, there they are, a couple hundred yards away. Gratefully, I never got caught up in a rip current that could have taken me into a dangerous situation. That's really why Paul wrote this letter. Let me explain. For some of us, life with Jesus feels like this nice, easy float. I've got Jesus, I'm having fun, I'm occasionally reading my Bible, I'm singing some songs, the next thing you know, you veered off course and you're like, what? How did I get here? And Paul is warning them that there are strong currents that want to pull you out of God's will and off God's course into danger. So let me share with you two things in our world that happen to create a strong current that seeks to pull you away from your flow in the grace of God and the will of God. Number one is sexual relationships. Sexual relationships. By that, I mean outside of marriage between a man and a woman. And number two, social media. What happens with sexual relationships is people want to sleep with other people. And the Bible says no. So a new theology is created in a, as a rationale to say, it's okay. So let's redefine marriage. Why? We all know the guy who created it, and he seems to want to stick with the way he designed it, but then it becomes hate speech. And everyone is up in arms. So all these issues come up and they create strong currents to try to pull people away. So now the second strong current, social media. If you're on social media, it's hard to be a Christian. Because the whole goal is that people would like you. And if you believe what Jesus believes, they may not like you. So if you live your life to be liked by people, it becomes very hard to be a faithful biblical Christian. You need to know that these two are strong currents that want to pull you away from the flow of God's grace and God's will. So the apostle Paul is going to what he's going to do is come back to Jesus. Focus us on Jesus so we stay in the flow of God's truth. And he starts by making sure we receive Jesus. So my question to you is, have you received Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Our passage this morning comes from Colossians chapter 2, beginning in the sixth verse. Paul writes, so then, just as you received Christ as Lord, that is, uh, as the one in charge, in authority, continue to live your lives in Him. Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you are taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let me say this people are the product of their teaching, which means if someone is poorly taught, it affects their life negatively. And rather than getting frustrated with them, we need to love them and help them learn. What Paul says here is that they've received good teaching. He writes, As you were taught, in other words, your founding pastor, Epaphras, he was a good Bible teacher. He taught you guys the truth. You don't need to unlearn a bunch of garbage. And that good teaching led them to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Again, the question, have you received Jesus? And then he says, if you've received Jesus' good teaching, then the next step is to grow and mature so he encourages them to live lives in him. That's the language of relationships. So how is your relationship with Jesus? Do you spend time with him? He also uses the language rooted. You know, from nature, if you don't have roots, you can't acquire the things necessary for you to grow and you eventually die. Or if your roots don't go deep, just a little wind will blow you over. So without a strong deep root system when storms come things blow away and what's true physically is true spiritually for God's people. Are your roots deep in the scriptures in Jesus, in prayer? These are the things that help safeguard you from the strong currents of false doctrine and false teaching. The second thing he says is to remain with Jesus. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That's a really strong statement. That Jesus is God and he becomes a man that the eternal God entered human history. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Jesus is head over all philosophies and ideologies and all spiritualities. And what Paul is warning against here is a philosophy. This is another strong current. So what he's saying is, here's the flow of God's grace. Grow in your relationship with Jesus and his people, but be aware that there is this strong Current that seeks to pull you away from Jesus, and he describes it here as a philosophy. Now, this is not a renunciation of all philosophy. Philosophy literally means the love of wisdom. So, philosophy in and of itself is not bad. Some of the greatest philosophers have been Christians Augustine, Aquinas, Blaise Pascal, C.S. Lewis. They work in the realm of philosophy, but they love God with all their mind. So they think biblically, and they're trying to take the biblical teachings and interact with the wisdom of the world. Now, some say philosophy started with the Greeks in the 6th century B.C., with names such as Pythagoras, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. But there is philosophy in the Bible that predates all of these, and in the Old Testament, there is this whole section known as the wisdom literature. So Job is the philosophy of suffering. Song of Solomon is the philosophy of love and romance and relationships. Ecclesiastes is the philosophy of the meaning of life, and Proverbs is all about the pursuit of practical wisdom. So the Apostle Paul is not speaking against all philosophy. He narrows the focus to philosophy, which is what he refers to as hollow and deceptive. And it was being taught in their schools and colleges and undergirded in their social settings. The trend was to push you away from Jesus. And this philosophy, Paul says, will take you captive. It will come and enslave you. It doesn't lead to freedom. This is true of whatever philosophy dominates the day. And it's hollow, which means it's empty. So it's not particularly helpful. It would be like going to a doctor. You're sick. The doctor prescribes a medication, and in the pill is medicine that will help you become healthy. Now, if you're given a pill that's empty of medicine... That's called a placebo. Looks the same, but there's no healing power in it. The Apostle Paul is saying that philosophy that is not rooted in Christ is ultimately empty and deceptive. It's not true. So why are we so sucked in? Because there's something in us that wants the newest, latest, and the greatest. But let me say, the Word of God is eternal. That doesn't mean it's old, It means it's timeless. It doesn't just appeal back to old days and old sources. It appeals back to the ancient of days, the eternal character of God. What Paul is saying is, if your soul is longing for something that is settled and rooted, don't go for that which is human. Something created by people with three and a half pounds of fallen brain, go for the revelation that God has sent which is. Is eternal. So Paul is raising the flag against false philosophies because they exist, and every generation has a dominant philosophical current that is trying to pull people away from obedience to Christ. Here is the latest current. Within the last two years, a major study was conducted on a large number of people who no longer go to church or who never go to church, who have never. And what is that strong current pulling them away from Jesus Christ? The one primary, opposition to Christianity, and this was across all genders, races, socioeconomic backgrounds. The one issue opposite to Christianity, in opposition to Christianity, was intolerance. The philosophy of our day is intolerance and it plays itself out in several arenas. There's the political arena, where we don't believe that the Bible or Christianity should have anything to do with public policy. And then in the spiritual realm, our claim that Jesus is the only way is very offensive. That's intolerant of other religions, and so we reject Christianity because they say you need Jesus. This also works itself out in tolerance in the area of gender marriage, abortion, all these hot-button issues. So the strong current against all of this is to rethink Christianity. So rather than looking at all of God's attributes, we'll elevate one of His attributes and ignore the other. So holiness needs to go away. Justice, righteousness, obedience, all need to go away. And the one attribute of God that we'll maintain God is love. And what is meant by that is tolerance. So that would lead people to say, God doesn't reject anyone because God is tolerant. And God doesn't reject other religions because God is tolerant. And God doesn't say no to people who want to do certain things because God is tolerant. As a result we are encouraged to celebrate everything and everyone. And if you don't, that's intolerant and that's a sin. So you think I'm wrong? Yes. Well, that's not loving. You know, actually, it may be the most loving thing I can do to set you back on a path to Jesus is to tell you you're wrong. Now, how this works is the God of the Bible in one regard says, Come to me. Everybody, come to me. I don't care about your race, your background, your philosophy, your ideology. Come as you are. But because God loves us, He loves us too much to allow us to stay as we are. You see, God's love changes you to become more like Him. That's why tolerance is in opposition to Christianity. Tolerance says... There is absolutely nothing about you that needs to change. And Christianity is all about change. We call it repentance. The gospel says that you're a sinner. You need a savior. There needs to be a change. So here's the God of the Bible. There is tolerance because he says, come as you are. But there's also repentance where you've got to acknowledge who you are, and then there is love where God says, I will change who you are. The goal is to get you to Jesus and into the flow of God's grace. The third section is to remember Jesus. Let me start with this illustration. The easiest way for you to understand what a counterfeit is is to spend so much time with what is authentic. Y- you know, that's how the FBI distinguishes counterfeit money. They have studied the authentic in such detail that a counterfeit is easy to to spot. The point is, the Apostle Paul is not chasing every false doctrine, every false teaching, freaking everyone out and having them run scared. His is not a fear-based ministry. This is not a fear-based church. So let's not spend a whole lot of time talking about every crazy and weird idea that you can find on the Internet. Let's spend time talking about Jesus, and since you get to know the real, you'll understand the counterfeit. And you won't be interested in that because you know what's authentic. That's what the Apostle Paul does here. He focuses us on Jesus. Verse 11 In Him, that is, in Christ. You were also circumcised with a circumcision, not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. That's the death of Jesus on the cross. What are was referring to? Having been buried with Him in baptism, well, there's the burial of Jesus Christ, in which you were also raised with Him, there's the resurrection of Jesus, You've been raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Apostle Paul would say, if you're worried about a powerful current that could lead you astray, and you wonder, what do we do? His answer would be, stick to Jesus. Spend time with him who is the real God, and you will not be distracted or dissuaded by a clever counterfeit. So he goes back to the death, burial, burial and resurrection of Jesus, and the whole idea behind the language of circumcision is that it's not putting you in good standing with Jesus just because you can claim a certain heritage. You're not in good standing with Jesus because of a particular ritual. You're in good standing with Jesus because of what Jesus did. He took on your death. But before he got to the cross, he was flogged, and just that whipping alone caused some men to die. In Isaiah 53, it says about God's Messiah, we know him as Jesus, was marred beyond recognition. And then he was hanged on a cross. And he died. He died in our place for our sins, and he was buried. Jesus, God in human form, died. But he didn't stay dead he resurrected. And in his resurrection, all who believe in him are raised to new life. So who I was, that's what I used to do. Who I used to be, that's not me anymore. I'm changed. God's love has changed me, not just tolerated me, but transformed me. And as a result, Jesus is not a dead ideology. He is a living, loving, seeking Savior. That's who He is. And we close with this. Rejoice in Jesus. In verse 13, Paul writes, when you were dead in your sins, that is spiritually dead, and someone who is spiritually dead Doesn't think about Jesus, doesn't love Jesus, doesn't listen to Jesus, doesn't follow Jesus. We're physically alive, spiritually dead. And in the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. God made dead people alive people. And how does He do it? He forgave us all our sins. That's a lot. Jesus forgives how much of it? All. This is, this is such a powerful passage. Verse 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So nailed to the cross was your record of sin and debt. Everything you've ever said and done or failed to say or do, there it is. guilty, guilty. Guilty. And Jesus substitutes himself. He puts himself in your place to pay for your debt so you can have full forgiveness. And he's not done. Verse 15: And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Folks, this is a battle-filled scene. And Jesus is triumphant warrior-king, conquering our enemies of sin, Satan death, and hell. He canceled our obligation to Satan. He set captives free from the domain of darkness. And what then does this triumphant warrior, King Jesus, do to us? He adopts us. And as citizens of that kingdom and worshipers of that king, I pray we never get to the place that this isn't awe-inspiring. And so we sing, and we celebrate, and today we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.